Hello, and welcome to Cinebraskans, the daily Nebraskan entertainment podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is David Berman. Um, I am a I am the co-COVID editor for the Daily Nebraskan, so reporting all about the fun COVID things going on on campus and in the world, um, and used to be in culture, but now the only culture thing I do is this. As well as... Um, I'm Mia Everding. I'm a grad student right now, and I just contribute to the culture podcast, so not much. Because you're lame. That's, this is true. <laughs> and yeah, uh, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz. I mainly just write movie reviews for the DN and host this podcast. Um, also want to acknowledge off the top that we are recording this episode remotely because we, we are waiting on the results of a COVID test. Um, so just decided not to mess with that. Um, and so, yeah, apologies if the audio level isn't quite on the same level as it usually is, but we're doing what we can. So we'll just jump right into it with our first segment of the week, and that's What Have I Done? And What Have I Done is the segment where we just talk about what, what we've been up to for the week, what, what movies or TV shows or whatever we've been watching. And yeah, so we'll start with you first, David. What have you been up to this week? Yeah, so um, about about a month ago, I started watching um, the show Harley Quinn on HBO Max, um, and I got like a season and a half into it. There are two of them, um, and then my roommates were like, "Hey, we also want to watch this, but after we watch The Boys, which I have been talking about the last two weeks on this podcast." And so I stopped watching it um, then, and now I am rewatching the first season and a half with them, and then eventually getting to the end of it. Um, so yeah, so I guess currently I am watching um, Harley Quinn. Um, it's an anime. It's one of DC's animated shows, um, and it just it's it's about uh, uh, it starts it stars Kaylee Cuoco from The Big Bang Theory as Harley Quinn, and it's about like her like going out on her own after um, she breaks up with the Joker and kind of like forming her own team and like finding her own identity, um, and it's this really like irreverent very graphic and violent and and ex- very explicitly funny show um and i've been really enjoying it the it, it's it's really really funny um all the voice at the voice acting is really great um they got a lot of really good people for it yeah kelly cuoco's in it um tony hale uh from, who is forky in toy story 4 and has been a whole bunch of other things um Giancarlo Esposito's in it um Alan Tudyk's in it um and yeah just there's so many really fun characters um even if they don't have they don't have a lot to do in it um like Commissioner Gordon is um Christopher Maloney I think is his name um and like Gordon is is just like this like he's pretty much just gone insane because of how much crime is in Gotham and is like, he's just kind of losing his mind. And like, there is a lot of really fun performances and characterizations of these like very well-known DC characters. Um, so yeah, it's a ton of fun. Um, it's just like very light and, and funny um, and like very like meta and kind of pokes fun at itself. Um, so yeah, it's a ton of fun. I would, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about the Harley Quinn show. Uh, I've heard some people like pretty much say it's like a mixing of Deadpool and like Batman the animated series. Uh, would you say that's a that's a that's an accurate statement? 
Yeah, I think that's pretty spot on. Um, it has a pretty kind of not not like simple animation style, but it's like it's not like a really flashily animated show. If that's the right word. Um, but yeah, it but it has that uh, kind of Deadpool meta side to it, um, and just yeah, pokes fun at itself and kind of the whole superhero genre in general. So. Yeah, well, moving on to you next, Mia. What have, what have you been up to? Um, well, yesterday I just finished Parks and Rec, or I guess two, two days ago I finished Parks and Rec for like the eighth time, maybe, as it's being taken off of Netflix, I think, tomorrow. Um, so good timing with that. And with that Parks and Rec hole in my heart, I thought I might as well try something new. So um, I started Shit's Creek tonight. So I'm only on episode like four, maybe, um, but already I'm pretty excited about how it's going. I just needed something dumb that I could not, you know, have to spend a lot of brain power processing and just kind of get a laugh. So it's been good so far, and I'm definitely excited that there's five seasons, I think. So that's exciting to have something to just kind of have as I get home. So yeah, that's what I've been up to pretty exciting yeah so Shit's Creek's one of those shows that like I've heard a lot of acclaim about but I have absolutely no idea what the show is about um so so what's the general premise of Shit's Creek I guess um I mean I feel like Dave gave two big thumbs up so I feel like have you watched it like you might have a better idea yeah I've watched the first two seasons um I watched them like last semester so I, so I, I started watching it this year and I liked it, um, but I didn't it didn't like just like hook me as much as I thought it was going to, and then I just got distracted with other things. Um, but I just started getting back into it last week because it won like literally every comedy Emmy. Um, but yeah, I generally like it. Um, pretty much the premise of it is it's it's about it starts with like this really rich family, the Roses, um, and like the first episode, they pretty much like lose everything because they invested their money in someone who was like crooked or something like that um but the only uh pretty much the only thing that the government doesn't take from them um is this town that the father bought for the son as a joke um and the town is called Shits creek um and so basically they have to like move to this town um this really small like country bumpkin like rural uh, town um and it, it's just kind of like this fish out of water story of them trying to like adapt their lifestyle and, and like they're just in a completely different situation surrounded by completely different people than they normally would be um yeah i really like the characters um it's a and i don't know if mia you've gotten the sense so far but it's really dry like it's not like it's not like what's ha it's not like the situation is or like it's not really like a lot of jokes. It's like the characters are funny and the people are weird and the situation is just kind of generally awkward and that's why it's funny. So it's just, it's very dry and not like joke, 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 you know? So I think maybe that's why I wasn't like super into it at first, but what I've watched since I started it up again, I've, I've enjoyed, so. Nice. Uh, and yeah, so this morning I, uh, for for my for my rewind review I wrote for the DM this week, I got up and watched the Truman Show for the first time, um, and 
as I, as I mentioned in my review, which should be up by the time this podcast goes out, uh, I just generally am like not a big fan of Jim Carrey. Like I enjoy some of his stuff, but I'm not like a diehard Jim Carrey fan by any means. Um, and I, I've heard the Truman, like prior to watching the movie, I heard the Truman Show like was absolutely fantastic. Like pretty much everyone loves it. And I watched it and I thought it was okay. I wasn't like blown away by it by any means. Um, like I think it's a really interesting premise and I think Jim Carrey does a really good job in the lead role. But it, I feel like the movie kind of just unfolds exactly the way you think it's going to. Like there's really not a lot of like twists and turns, which like aren't necessary for a movie, but like, I feel like a movie like this could have really used some um, to really hook the audience in just because, I don't know, I feel like it just kind of went along until it eventually got to its point and then the movie was over. Uh, and I was like, all right, yeah, that was, that was fine. It was enjoyable enough, but I wasn't like blown away uh, as a lot of people seem to be. But have either of you seen Truman Show before? No. David, no. David is nodding his head yes. David, what do you yes. think of the Truman Show? Um, Kyle, I think you are absolutely full of it, I would say, <laughs> because I love The Truman Show. Um, I think it's really great. Uh, I, t I, too, am not a huge fan of Jim Carrey. I think he kind of gets caught up in his Jim Carreyness too much, but, like, this is a big departure from that, and I feel like is kind of more along the lines of, like, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Is that what that movie's called? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, where it's just, like, this really more serious performance. Um, and yeah, I love it. I, I think the concept's really interesting. I think the world building that it does is really, is really good. And he's really great in it. And I love the arc that that character goes on. Um, so yeah, I would disagree, Kyle. And I think you're wrong. <laughs> I will agree that Jim Carrey was great in it. Um, because Jim Carrey generally has just kind of the same shtick he does in most of his movies, where he's just kind of like this absurd character that's making lots of weird faces and noises um but he doesn't do that at all in this movie like this movie he seems to like genuinely be like trying to give like more of a subtle performance and just not he yeah he just kind of like shaking that up from what he usually does and that was refreshing uh for a movie that's like what is it 20 years old at this point something like that um yeah, but yeah i thought it, i thought it was good um i probably Unless you guys want to watch it at some point, I probably am not going to watch it again anytime soon. Um, but yeah, that's the Truman Show. <laughs> very, very disappointed uh, in your opinion, I would say. Uh, so moving on to our, our movie news for the week. Uh, as usual, we'll start with some comic book stuff. Uh, and right off the top, we'll go with uh, the fact that Aldous, Ho Al Aldous Hodge, uh, who was in the Invisible Man earlier this year and got a lot of acclaim for his performance of that, has been cast as Hawkman in the upcoming Black Adam movie starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, I think this is really interesting casting. He's not the first choice I would have thought of, but also I'm not super familiar with the Hawkman character, um, but I'll, I'll come back to that in a little bit. But yeah, I think adding this actor uh, to, to Black Adam is a really good idea um, just because he's a great actor. He hasn't really like, gotten that that big role that's launched him into like the the limelight yet and i feel like that this could be that role um and yeah so i just very excited about this what do you guys think yeah i i loved i loved him in the invisible man i don't think i've seen him in anything else um but yeah i think he's a really yeah good choice for this role um the only thing i really know about hawkman is uh 
he was in um like legends of tomorrow and kind of like the general arrowverse for like a minute or something like yeah like a, a few years back um but i know i know that character is like kind of tied into like the gods and kind of like that's where his powers are from so i think that's an interesting character to be in this movie where like um you know in, in the in the shazam kind of universe where there is like oh there are different gods and there's a lot of mythology to it um but yeah i think he will do a very good job in this role so you have any thoughts on this mia unsurprisingly i do not <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so hawkman what i was going to say earlier was I feel like Hawkman's an interesting character, but I feel like Hawk Girl is a significantly more popular character. So I'm kind of surprised that they're going with Hawkman in this movie instead of Hawk Girl. Um, just because, yeah, I feel like Hawk Girl is a very popular character that could have brought a lot of attention to this movie, at least from DC fans. Like, um, but yeah, I'm excited about this casting. Just question the inclusion of the character. Um, but yeah, that's just me. Uh, so moving on from there, we got the news that Samuel Jackson will be returning to the role of Nick Fury in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to star in his own Disney Plus series. Um, noted, uh, it's notable that the series hasn't been confirmed as like a Nick Fury series specifically. It's just a Disney Plus Marvel series that he is starring in, um, which is a lot of people speculating that it's going to be some kind of like Agents of Sword series, which is kind of what they set up at the in the post credit scene of Spider-Man Far From Home last year. Um, like, ha so yeah, people have been speculating that it'll be that and like something to do with uh, Secret Invasion, which they might be doing in phase four. We'll find out. Uh, but yeah, I think this is exciting. Um, I love Samuel L. Jackson in the role of Nick Fury. I feel like we haven't gotten a lot of him since like phase one. Um, and like, just cause, the movies he has been with the exception uh has been in with the exception of captain marvel i feel like he's kind of just taken the back seat and he's really good in this role so i i'm i'm excited to see more of him but what do you guys think of this yeah i think um yeah i'm really excited for it i think it's like uh i think it's kind of interesting that they got him to do tv but i'm sure they just threw him millions of dollars and he was like yes i will do this um but yeah i i think they kind of set that character on an interesting path at the end of Far From Home. Um, and yeah, you they could do something where he's having some galactic space adventures or they could do, you know, some sort of prequel thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think there are a lot of interesting directions they could take this in. Cool. Um, and then, yeah, moving into, moving into something you're interested in, David. Uh, we got the news that they're making a spinoff show of, of the popular The Boys TV show. Um, and so I have not watched The Boys. David, David is our resident boys expert. Um, <laughs> but yeah, basically the show is, has kind of been pitched as like an R-rated version of Sky High, um, where the kids are like in college, um, which I think is interesting. But yeah, David... Can you shed a little bit more light on this? Is this coming from like an existing thing in the boys show already? Or is it just kind of another thing in that universe? Or what, what do you think? Yeah, so this whole idea of like a superhero college has not been really touched on at all in the show so far. Um, 
So just going to read the synopsis real quick. Um, so it says, set at America's only college exclusively for young adult superheroes, the Untitled Boy spinoff um, is described as an irreverent R-rated series that explores the lives of hormonal competitive soups as they put their physical, sexual, and moral boundaries to the test, competing for the best contracts in the best cities. Um, and so the, really the only part of that that kind of ties in with the show, with the show that already exists um, is they kind of talk about this idea of Vought, which is like the big kind of evil company that is kind of running and creating all the superheroes. Uh, they like sell heroes to cities and be, and be like, oh, hey, we'll give you this superhero to protect your city. Um, but you have to pay us like $300 million or something like that. Um, and so th this idea of uh, like the heroes like competing to get to like the best places and like the biggest cities, I think is an interesting concept. Um, yeah. I mean, I think this isn't necessarily the direction I would expect a boy spinoff to go in. Um, I think this show has been successful enough that I'm not surprised that they're doing, doing spinoffs and trying to create a universe here. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, Hey, I love, I love the movie sky high, which sounds a lot like this, but way more intense. Um, so yeah, I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. And yeah, moving on to our last bit of comic book movie news for the day. Uh, we got the news that, uh, the Snyder cut of justice league, which is supposed to be coming next year, will in fact be filming new material, um, which, they, they said it wasn't going to when uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League was announced. Um, but yeah, the report came out this past week that we don't know how much new material they're filming, but they are going back and will be in production again. Um, at first, it was reported that the entire cast was coming back, including Henry Cavill, but he nixed that in an interview with Collider this week, said that he's not involved, not for lack of interest, but merely because of scheduling. Um, and so, yeah, maybe instead of... Uh, weird CGI mustache Superman. We'll just have a weird CGI entire Superman. Um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll find out, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think this will be interesting because I feel like at this point, it's not really the same like vision of Justice League that Zack Snyder originally had. I feel like since it's been a few years, he's probably tweaked it a bit um, and come up with some new ideas that he wants to work in there. Um, but we'll find out, I guess. Um, and since it's going to be like, what, four one-hour episodes, I'm sure they've got lots of time to fill still. Um, so yeah, we'll see how much they end up shooting and if this thing is even good. But I am curious to see how, how this turns out. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think we've talked about before how, how much we enjoy Henry Cavill's performance as Superman, at least in Man of Steel. I think he is very much underserved in pretty much every subsequent movie and not given a lot to do. And what he is given to do is not great. So I'm sad that we're not going to really be seeing much new stuff from him um, in a movie where he already was not in it for much. And, well, and you know, like him coming in and like just kind of saving everybody was, was interesting, but it wasn't exactly like, you know, a big Justice League moment that I would want of like, oh, the whole team working together is pretty much just like we were, they were going to lose if Superman did not show up. So yeah, I guess I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that we won't necessarily get more from him or, or much more than we already did, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, moving on from there, we'll jump into what I think is probably the most interesting uh, bit of movie news we've got for the week. And that's the announcement we got this past week from Disney that there is, in fact, a sequel to the live-action Lion King in the works. 
Um, but the, the kicker here is that it's being written, well, not written and directed, just directed uh, by Barry Jenkins, uh, who you'll know for Moonlight and uh, If Beale Street Could Talk and just like general movies like that. Um, yeah, apparently it's not going to be a adaptation of the weird direct-to-video sequels that they had originally for The Lion King. It's going to be an entirely original story, uh, which notably it's the same screenwriters from the first Lion King, though, from like the one from a couple of years ago or last year. Um, but I guess it's an original story that's going to see uh, Simba taking on the mantle of like King of Pride Rock or whatever the name of that mantle is. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but it's also going to include uh, flashbacks to Mufasa's early days as king. So in that sense, like it's described as somewhat similar to the Godfather part two, I guess. Yeah, this will be interesting. I personally, I enjoyed the live action Lion King, but I think it could have been a lot more instead of just the same movie reskinned. So I think this is intriguing to see what new material they actually do with it. Um, and it'll be interesting to see a sequel that actually takes the whole franchise in a new direction. Um, I think it was kind of inevitable that we were going to get some sort of sequel because the movie made like 1.6, 1.7 billion dollars or something like that. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a moneymaker. Um, but yeah, David, you did not like The Lion King from last year. What do you think of this nope. news? Um disappointed but not surprised is, is what I would say um just because yeah I mean I I think I've said this to you guys before I can't hate that movie because it's just Lion King again and Lion King is a good movie so like it's good but it takes all the things that I love about the actual original and just none of that is there um so yeah I don't really want to see more dead-eyed lions running around and kind of vaguely moving their mouths for two hours but yeah I mean I think the only thing that really interests me about this is Barry Jenkins and kind of what he can do with this I think it's it's very interesting for them to be like this is like Godfather 2 when it's like but I don't know if you can compare it to Godfather <laughs> when and like your first one was not good so yeah, but yeah, I, you know, anything can be good, so. Yeah, notably, this is uh, Barry Jenkins' first, like, big budget project. Everything he's done up until now has been, like, smaller, more oscar baity type films. Um, so it'll be interesting to see him jump not only to a larger production, but a production like this where literally, like, the whole thing is animated. Um, see how he can handle that. Uh, what do you think about this, Mia? And specifically, what do you think about Barry Jenkins jumping onto a project like this? I mean, I feel like I, I don't want it to sound wrong. I don't know. It just, it feels like a weird choice, I guess. Like knowing what else he's, he's done. Like I haven't seen If Beale Street Could Talk, but I've seen Moonlight. And I feel like, and I also haven't seen the live action Lion King. It was only like last year that I watched the original. So I was totally out of the loop for 22 years of my life. But um, just knowing like the type of story that that is, and then like comparing that to the other projects that he's done. I don't know. It just seems like an odd choice, but I guess we'll see. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Is there like a projected... I mean, it's at the very beginning sort of 
talk. So, like, what would that timeline look like? Do we know anything about that? Like, especially, too, with COVID still affecting things. I guess I'm, it just seems strange that we're, like, announcing things with COVID, like, still being a thing. Yeah, I, I assume they're still in, like, the writing stage at this point. Um, but I guess I don't, I don't know for sure. I assume they wouldn't start production until, like, next year at the earliest. Um, like, maybe, like, this upcoming summer or something. I'm sure they've still got lots of uh, pre-production to go through, but I guess we'll find out. Uh, but yeah, moving on from there, uh, we've got a, a fun bit of news involving uh, a, fran- uh, a a movie that I never thought we would talk about a sequel to, but here we are. Uh, very suddenly, we are getting a sequel to Borat. Um, it's going to be hitting Amazon Prime Video on October 22nd. Apparently it was filmed like in secret earlier this year and the movie is done. It's edited together. It's just completely finished, ready to go. Um, and apparently Sasha Baron Cohen shopped it around to a few different, a few different uh, streaming services, including Netflix. And apparently there was a bit of a bidding war over it because apparently it's pretty good uh, is what the, what the word online is saying. Um, we haven't really gotten much of a look about it. Uh, other than a brief, like, kind of teaser trailer that came out last night that was basically just Borat talking about Donald Trump, which was pretty much exactly what you would expect it to be. Um, But it's being reported that the film heavily focuses on uh, Vice President Mike Pence. Um, And again, there's word that he got an interview with Mike Pence for this movie, and Mike Pence is, like, a big part of this movie. So... (laughs) This will be interesting for sure. So, David, I know you haven't seen Borat. Mia, have you seen Borat? No, no. So, I watched Borat once, like, in high school. Uh, I was in, like, the backseat of my parents' car as we were driving to vacation somewhere. Um, so, I have a pretty limited experience uh, with Borat. But it's pretty much just Sacha Baron Cohen being Sacha Baron Cohen. Uh, just taking on this cliché like middle eastern uh personality and just the the first borat is just him like going on a road trip across the u.s and interacting with a bunch of people that don't know he's like in character and it's under the guise of like being a documentary so he's interacting with real people and getting real reactions um which is kind of what sacha baron cohen does especially with like uh is it what is america his show on showtime um but yeah this will be interesting uh you guys have any thoughts on this? Are you excited for this? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm definitely interested in seeing the first one now. Um, I've heard it's kind of like, it's a bit of an acquired taste just because it's just, it's it definitely, it's him doing his shtick. Um, and I think you either like that or, or you won't. Um, so I think, yeah, I'll be interested to see whether I enjoy it or not. But yeah, I think I'm very intrigued by how much Mike Pence might be involved with this, like whether, <laughs> and, and how much he, he, he knew, like whether this was like a real thing or not. So um, I, yeah, I think I'm definitely intrigued for sure. What do you think, Mia? Um, well, I have not seen, as I've not seen the original, I, I don't really know much of him, like as an actor, apart from like his role in Les Mis, like the 2012 version of Les Mis, and I hated him. I what? Hated him. He's pretty good. <laughs> so I think I've just always been turned off to any project that he's been a part of. So 
needless to say, not a strong opinion about this. The title in and of itself kind of gives me a headache. So overall, pretty bad impression. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how this goes. Apparently they have been kind of rushing to get it uh, signed to some streaming service because they really want it to be out before the election, um, which, yeah, that m makes me think that it's going to be very intensely political and uh, uh, critical of the of the current administration, which you wouldn't expect anything less of Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure it'll be loads of fun. <laughs> Um, yeah, moving on from there, uh, we got the news that Apple TV Plus has acquired the distribution and streaming rights to uh, Cherry, which is the first film directed by the Russo brothers uh, post the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, so obviously the, the last movie they directed was Avengers Endgame, which is now the highest grossing film of all time. Uh, and yeah, we don't know much about Cherry other than it stars Tom Holland. Uh, and I feel like at one point they said it was kind of a darker movie. Um, but I don't remember specific, any specifics about that. Um, but yeah, I think it's just interesting that Apple TV Plus got this um, because Apple TV Plus has kind of been on the on the fringe of like popular streaming services. Like it's got some big name talent in its shows, but it hasn't really broken into like the mainstream yet. Um, not that this movie is going to be the one to do it, but I feel like it could definitely help. Um, so yeah, what do you guys think about this? Yeah, I think it definitely looks, um, I mean, you know, without really knowing, knowing much about it, I think I'm excited to see what the Russo brothers are doing post-Marvel and with Tom Holland as well. Um, yeah, it's definitely interesting that Apple TV Plus got this. I think they kind of have been doing well in general. And I think from what I've seen from their shows, I've generally liked them. Um, but yeah, I I, I think this is definitely going to be a boost for them, for sure. Yeah, I think the only stuff really that I've been hearing is like from Tallin, Tom Holland, Tallin. Tallin. Tallin's <laughs> the thing. Um, Tom Holland and like his siblings on, or his brothers on um, like Instagram saying like, you're not ready for this. So that tells me nothing, really. I guess I'm expecting something like gritty, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm definitely. It'll be, it'll be Tom Holland. It'll be Tom Holland like smoking a cigarette and being like, "I'm crazy." <laughs> That's the whole movie. Who knows? Yeah, it'll be. In, he, I'm he interested. Just, he's eating cherry. <laughs> Cherries is that what you said? Yes. Gritty. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll see what the movie actually ends up being when we get a trailer. Um, I think that'll kind of determine like whether or not I'm at all interested in this. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really want to subscribe to Apple TV Plus, but I guess if they have good content, then that's good content. Um, yeah, moving on from there. Uh, just today, we got the news that there's a movie about the making of The Godfather uh, in the works. Uh, Barry Levinson is going to be directing, uh, and Oscar Isaac has been cast as Francis Coppola, and Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be playing uh, Robert Evans, who is the former head of Paramount Studios. Um, I know very little about the making of The Godfather from what I gathered reading the report about this. It sounds like there's quite a bit of conflicts between uh, Coppola and Evans, so we'll get lots of dramatic acting between Al Oscar Isaac and Jake Gyllenhaal, which I think is exciting. Uh, and yeah, I think like the making of a certain movie type movies can be interesting. Like I thought, uh, I thought The Disaster Artist was a lot of fun. Um, but we'll, we'll see how The Godfather goes. The Godfather's a classic. 
Um, so I feel like they're really just kind of banking off of the popularity of that. Um, but Oscar Isaac and Jake Gyllenhaal are both great actors, so it's nothing to not be excited about. Um, but yeah, do you guys have any thoughts on this? Yeah, um, I've, I've never seen The Godfather. It's, that's one of those movies that I just like, I know I have to see it one day and I'm sure I will, but I've just never gotten around to it. Um, so, so I'm sure I probably will in advance of this movie. Um, yeah, a lot of good names in it. Um, Mia, what are your thoughts as uh, fans of these two beautiful bearded boys, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Oscar Isaac? <laughs> beautiful bearded boys. That's yes, beautiful. Um, I I feel like I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage here too because I haven't seen The Godfather. Um, like you were saying, Dave, it's just like you know, it's a classic that I know is on my list, and I definitely need to watch it before I die, but um, it's never, like, high enough on the list that I'm like, okay, I'm actually going to do it today, so, I mean, I'm definitely excited. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen um, Oscar Isaac and Jake Gyllenhaal in a movie before, and I'm drawing a blank if they've ever collaborated, so. They definitely feel like the kind of actors that would have worked together already, but I can't, yeah, I also can't think of an occasion in which they have. Yeah. But I'm thinking of, like, more of their maybe smaller movies, like Inside Lewin, Lewin, Lewin Davis. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. I don't know, I can't think of a, a smaller Jake Gyllenhaal movie, but I feel like that could be a really, really good pairing. So I am, yeah, I'm definitely excited for that. Yeah. Um, from there, we'll just jump uh, straight into the main topic. Uh, and our main topic for the week is kind of a fun one. Um, we're going to be talking about some some failed movie franchises, uh, movies that came out, were meant to kick off the next the next big thing, the next big franchise that will make a billion dollars, make everybody rich and everybody happy, uh, but then they just kind of crashed and burned and then didn't really uh, pan out the way that studios probably wanted them to. Um, so yeah, we've got we've got a list of movies here. Uh, we can talk about kind of why they failed just generally if we've seen the movies what we thought of them and if we think they're worth revisiting in any form whether it be a sequel or a reboot or anything like that um should make for a fun fun conversation i think um yeah i guess we'll, we'll just start off with uh 2011's green lantern starring ryan reynolds which i assume you've seen this david mia have you seen this movie Nope, I have not. I so, actually haven't either. Um, yeah, I just never got around to it and heard it was bad. So I, I think it's definitely something I'm curious about to see if I hate it as much as most people do. So yeah, you're not you're not missing much. Uh, I think Ryan Reynolds as Hal Jordan is really the only vaguely redeeming part of 2011 Screen Lantern, just because that's really good casting. Um, but yeah, the budget for this movie was about $200 million. Um, it was meant to be like their, like DC's Iron Man. It was meant to kick off their cinematic universe. Uh, and then it only made $219 million worldwide. Uh, so it definitely lost Warner Brothers a lot of money. Um, because So the budget was $200 million, but that doesn't take into account like marketing or anything like that. Um, and yeah, the movie was just kind of a train wreck. It was just kind of a really boring, generic superhero movie with lots of green visual effects. And for some reason, they made Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern suit entirely CGI rather than having any sort of physical, like, actual suit. 
because that's a smart decision, I guess. Um, and yeah, so uh, the idea or the question of whether or not this is worth revisiting is kind of kind of moot because they are revisiting it already. There's going to be a Green Lantern HBO Max TV show. Um, I don't think that it, yeah, it's going to have nothing to do with this movie. They're already just kind of scrapping it and moving on. Um, but yeah, do you guys have any, have any thoughts about the 2011 Green Lantern franchise failure? Um, I guess the only thing is it, you know, one good thing that came out of it is that there were some pretty funny Green Lantern jokes in uh, Deadpool. So <laughs> that's pretty good, I guess. That's a positive. Yes. Yeah. That was the only thing I was going to say. It's just like Ryan Reynolds poking fun at himself in recent history, I guess. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got uh, a topic that we love to talk about here, uh, and that's the the Percy Jackson movies. Ooh, so, <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> so unlike uh, Green Lantern, uh, the first Percy Jackson movie actually did get a sequel. So Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief came out. I don't remember what year that came out, actually. Um, but it had a budget of $95 million, grossed $226 million worldwide, um, and then they released uh, Percy Jackson and the Sea of Monsters a couple of years later uh, had about the same budget of 90 million and then grossed 199 million worldwide. Um, so it kind of just stayed stagnant and declined a little bit. Um, and then they kind of just dropped it moving forward. But yeah, so we've discussed our disdain for the Percy Jackson movies before. I think the first one's actually not too bad. Um, like it's definitely not great, but it, it, it tried. But Sea of Monsters is just a it's just a train wreck. It's bad. It's yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess, what do you guys think of this? What do you, would you at all be interested? So like they are making a Percy Jackson series at Disney plus, I think. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Would, if these movies had made more money at the box office, would you have been interested in seeing them continue on the like narrative they were? No, <laughs> because they just kind of jammed everything that happened in like the last four movies into the second movie. Cause they like, they pretty much just had the big bad Kronos show up in the second one. And then they just defeated him like really quickly. And that was just kind of it. <laughs> and they kind of set up like a third one. Cause they had Talia, I think is her name. Like the yeah. daughter of Zeus who was a tree, whatever was going on there. Um, she became not a tree at the end of the second one. And they're like, she's not a tree anymore. And so they were going to do, I guess, anything that happened in the third one. Um, but yeah, it just felt, it just really felt like they were trying to do Harry Potter and have like the same success of it. I think Chris Columbus did the first one and maybe the second one. Um, and he had done like both of the first and second Harry Potter movies. Um, so I, I think they were trying to like recapture that magic and just does not work. And they got so many things wrong about those movies, those movies so I'm, I'm glad that uh it has a pretty solid musical now and that they're doing um uh a tv show as well so i'm glad to see that that, that hopefully uh things will be turned around in percy jackson content yeah the only reason i would have been at all interested in another movie in this specific series uh was just because i really liked logan lerman uh in the lead role i thought he was great percy jackson um but yeah, they had really kind of gone off the rails with Sea of Monsters, so I don't really know what they could have done to salvage it at that point. Um, but yeah, we'll find out how the new 
Netflix series go or Disney Plus series goes. Hopefully, it's better than these are. Um, but yeah, Mia, what are your thoughts on these uh, these bad movies? Um, well, I never saw Sea of Monsters just because I heard how horrible it was, and I saw the Lightning Thief before I ever was aware of like the story. Um, and I mean, I think I saw it fairly soon after it came out, which I think was 2010. I looked that up. Um, so I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. I'm sure I would, if I watched it again, I would not be so impressed. Um, and then, you know, between seeing it the first time, I read the books and became a big fan of the books. So I don't know. I'm, I'm with you, Kyle, in that I really, I did like, um, Logan Lerman in that role, but, um, I've seen it like everywhere on like Twitter that people want him to be a part of the, the, is yeah Disney Plus show so it'd be nice if they could like honor him in that I don't know in some way but um, I am definitely looking forward though to the 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 show I think there's a little bit more room for like creativity and like sticking to the story in a show rather than like spread out in a two hour movie so I have high hopes but um, maybe not super super high <laughs> just so I don't get disappointed. So yeah, moving on from there, uh, I want to talk about The Dark Tower, which is uh, a movie based on a, a popular novel by Stephen King. Um, and it was supposed, to, it came out a couple years ago, and it was kind of meant to be the Kickstarter to a like Stephen King cinematic universe of sorts, because I haven't read the book, but from what I've gathered, that, that's kind of the, the purpose the, bur- the book serves. It kind of connects most of Stephen King's books into one vague kind of like multiverse. Um, and that's kind of what they were hoping to do with The Dark Tower. Um, it had uh, two great leading actors in Matthew McConaughey and Idris Elba. Um, had a budget of 60 million, made about 113 million worldwide, but was just not received well at all. Um, so yeah, it's pretty apparent like why, this, why the movie kind of failed, just because it wasn't a very good movie. But I guess the question I wanted to ask you guys is, is the idea of having some sort of vague, connected Stephen King universe something you're interested in? Is this something you would like them to like maybe give it another shot sometime? Or do you think they should just let it die and move on? I don't have a strong opinion on this. I think just because I really have only seen like Pennywise really and not even the sequel to that. Like I haven't seen Carrie and or like Pet Cemetery, so I, those are like the only Stephen King movies that are coming, or like books that are movies that come to mind. I feel like hypothetically it could work because obviously, like, ha- like sharing the same author, you are going to have some similarities in the universe that he's creating. But I feel like it's not necessary, you know. Like you can make those movies independent of of the other ones. Yeah, I think we've seen a bit of a Stephen King renaissance in the last few years of them, you know, just a lot of his properties have been adapted or readapted um, into movies and, and TV shows. Um, and I think, you know, I think you could connect them, but I think they might just ge- in general work better on their own. They're all just kind of vaguely spooky. And I think that that's fine to just leave, let them be, let them do their own thing on their own and not be like, Pennywise is gonna team up with a cat from Pet Cemetery or whatever. <laughs> so those are those are the only two characters I can think of. But um, but yeah, I don't think it's a super necessary thing to do. Yeah, I agree. I think that 
connecting all the movies like that is kind of a fine line to walk and like if it works that's really interesting but like it's kind of hard to make uh, I feel like it's hard to make a universe like this feel like a connected universe because like pets the recent pet cemetery is a very different movie than than the dark tower was or than it was or any anything like that um so yeah I, I i feel like there just really isn't a need to connect them and like you said david they'll kind of just stand uh better alone as individual movies um yeah moving into their uh movie that's kind of in the same situation is 2017's the mummy with tom cruise um this infamously was supposed to be the the big start to Universal's dark universe of uh, interconnected movies based off their uh, classic movie monsters like Frankenstein and Dracula and all that. Um, then had a budget of about 125 to 195 million. That's what I found online. Uh, and it grossed about 409 million, which isn't bad, but there was like a lot of marketing in the movie. So it m maybe made a little bit of money, maybe broke even, something like that. Uh, so they, they just kind of scrapped the whole dark universe um but yeah we we've talked about like the concept of the dark universe before um but if if the mummy had been good theoretically uh is the dark universe something you guys would have been interested in do you think that connecting all these movies could have could have worked in another world or do you think it was just kind of a bad idea from the start i think potentially um i think from what i have just kind of vaguely kind of heard and and uh, i've seen some of the mummy um, just kind of various clips. I think they really, tr they tried to really force it with like making this universe. Um, and like, like, I think there's a scene where they like walk into a room and there's like, there's a skull with like really long teeth. And they're like, oh, look, it's a, it's a, it's a Dracula skull. And like, like they had like a room of like, here are all the references to other movies that we're going to like build. Um, and I think that's not, and, and I think like, the title card before the movie says like the dark universe or something like that. Um, so like they really were, they were really bold about it and were like, this is a thing that we're going to do. And it just kind of didn't feel organic. So I think if they had approached it from a different perspective and maybe tried to, you know, make some more independent um, just movies that stand alone on uh, better, something like an invisible man, which I think they maybe are looking to potentially build something from. Um, I think that's a, that's a better approach than being like, here's this big team up movie right at the start and being like, and just really like forcing that there is this whole universe out there. Yeah, what do you think, Mia? Um, not much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was aware just like from things that you've said that they were trying to build like the dark universe, but um, I mean, knowing or, like, having such a low opinion, I think, on The Mummy, like, from what I saw just of the trailer, I was, like, I had low expectations, I think, for it. So I don't think I was really surprised when when it, it didn't do well, it wasn't received well, and then that sort of tanked the entire idea of the universe. So it was no, it was no surprise to me, I don't think, and I wasn't really upset whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Dark Universe could have been interesting, um, but I feel like it would have just turned into a lot of big budget, basically superhero movies out of these classic movie monsters. Um, and I think smaller movies like The Invisible Man earlier this year kind of do those just those characters a little bit more justice um, and are just a little bit more interesting. Um, so I'm kind of 
in an odd way, I'm kind of glad that this failed because then we wouldn't have gotten The Invisible Man. And there's the upcoming like Wolfman movie that's also being directed by, uh, I'm blanking on the name of the director of The Invisible Man. Um, but yeah, Lee Winnell. Um, and so that's something to look forward to. Um, but yeah, the last franchise we wanted to talk about is, is the Amazing Spider-Man franchise, which is the, the Spider-Man movies that came out in like the early 2010s starring Andrew Garfield. Uh, the first one came out in like, what was it, 2011? 2012. Uh, 2012. Uh, had a budget of $230 million, made about $750 million worldwide, which is really solid, obviously. Um, and then the second one came out in 2014, uh, had a budget of, I guess, somewhere between 200 and like $300 million. They haven't given any specifics, and it grossed $708 million, so about $50 million less than the last one did. Um, but these movies were like meant to kind of kick off Sony's own kind of Spider-Man cinematic universe. They wanted to have various spin-offs of this. They wanted a Sinister Six movie and like a Black Cat movie and like all of these different Spider-Man centric movies um, that we're kind of getting now, um, just not connected to this universe because now we have Venom and Morbius coming out next year. And I feel like there's a couple other that I'm missing that they've announced. Yeah, there's like the one with Olivia Wilde directing it, but I don't know. I think it's Spider-Woman. Yeah. Um, but, but so I feel like those movies are like kind of in the vein of what they wanted to do with this. Um, but it, these movies just weren't very well received. And then obviously they folded Spider-Man into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and have had a lot more success with that. Um, but in a world in which that didn't happen, do you guys think that these, this kind of Spider-Man cinematic universe that they were going for could have worked? Would it be something you were interested in? Or, yeah, what do you think? So, first of all, I think objectively, there are like clearly a lot of problems with this universe. But I love these movies. <laughs> Not really the second one, but I love the original Big Spider-Man. I just have a really soft spot for it. Um, I, it I think it was like the first superhero movie i saw in theaters or something like that because i wasn't really aware of for some reason somehow or really into like the mcu before then or you know it's like and you know like the nolan movies i hadn't seen in theaters at that point um but yeah i just i i think the first one's really charming i think you know it's not really doing much new from like the Tobey Maguire ones but i just i like andrew garfield and emma stone in them um, I think they're really good. And I think the second one is also a similar situation to The Mummy where there's just a lot of forced world building in it where they're like, oh, here's a basement of all the Sinister Six characters. <laughs> like, they're just like, this got like the main, like, kind of like the, uh, just like the general, like creepy, weird guy who is kind of on the periphery of the first of the first two movies who like maybe is planning something. He like walks past like, a, a vulture wing thing and like uh, some octopus arms and like it just feels like really forced um and i think that's kind of why it didn't work um i personally would have liked to see more of this but i i think because they failed we got tom holland as spider-man and that's ultimately a win i feel so yeah means i oh you go mia Sorry. oh i was just saying means to an end <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah i i kind of agree that i think this could have been interesting it would have been kind of just this weird off cinematic universe that sony was doing to kind of piggyback off of the mcu um 
and I liked uh, Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, but I don't know. I wasn't big on these movies, and I'm, uh, I think Tom Holland is probably the best Spider-Man we've had. And so if these movies led to that, which they definitely did, um, then, yeah, I'm kind of glad that they ended then. Um, also, I feel like at least Venom, um, which I'm not sure if either of you have seen Venom, um, but it isn't really connected to the MCU, like, at all. Um, like there there's been like reports and everything that they intend on doing that but since it's not i feel like it very easily could be a part of the amazing spider-man universe just as easily as it is the mcu um so it'd be like some wild twist if that's actually what they're doing they have been continuing with it they just haven't said anything about it that'll be i would lose my mind if like andrew garfield just showed up in a post-credit scene like that's not going to happen but i would love that (laughs) Yeah, so. it'd be it'd be wild. Maybe they'll do it with some sort of Spider Verse movie at some point. Maybe I would I would love a live action Spider Verse. Like bring like have Andrew Garfield and and I don't know like fifty year old Tobey Maguire like team up with uh, Tom Holland. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, um, this is a bigger topic for another time. But with like them introducing the multiverse in uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, there's been a lot of a lot of rumors and reports going around about the various things they want to do with that. Um, maybe we'll actually see uh, Tom Holland, uh, Andrew Garfield, and Tobey Maguire all on screen together with that. Um, there's also been reports that they're looking at casting uh, like alternate versions of, of the MCU characters we know, like with the actors that almost played them. So like Tom Cruise could show up as Iron Man or like Olivia, uh, Emily Blunt as Black Widow and like stuff like that which I think would be really interesting. But yeah, that's a much larger discussion for another day. Um, but yeah, these, these franchises didn't work. And I think we are all okay with that to, to kind of get to the point. Um, so yeah, this has been episode 25 of Cinebraskans, the daily Nebraskan entertainment podcast. Uh, as always, I've been your host, Kyle Cruz, joined by my co-host, David Berman. And Leah Everding. And yeah, thanks for thanks for tuning in. See ya. See ya.